Today we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12, uh, 18 through 29, and I'm going to read this whole passage for you, and I want you just to pay attention to what about the Lord in this passage lifts you, or even what kind of feelings does this evoke in you. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 29, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So now, I'm going to read this again, and I may or may not afterwards have you share with the person around you what stuck out to you or what. I just want to make sure you're paying attention. I don't know if we'll do that or not, but just what... So you've heard it once, what is sticking out to you, or what, how does this make you feel? You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken, word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we, if we turn away from him, uh, how much less will we, if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Rather than having you turn, would anybody be willing to kind of just say out what stuck out to you about this passage? What part of it, or how did it make you feel? 
I mean, the answer might be nobody will. But I'll wait for a little bit. All right, I'll just explain part of what I, when I'm reading this, I kind of feel like this, like, up and down. Like, hey, there's this, you know, this, you're going to enter the place with joyful angels and all these people, and that's great, and it, but be careful, because don't refuse the one, because it's coming to judge you, and it, you're going to an unshakable kingdom, but be ready, because things are going to be shaken. It gets this, like, there's a lot going on in this. It feels like there's a lot going on, and I don't just, like, oh, this is just saying this. It's not one of those passages. It's like, what, what, is, what is this saying? Now, two weeks ago, which seems like a long time ago, it was December 31st, the end of 2023, and I said in, in 2024, the theme for the year at Celebrate is going to be the year of the Lord. The Lord is what uh, is used to describe God the most in the Old Testament it's what's used to describe Jesus the most in the New Testament, along with Messiah, but maybe even more than that. It's Lord. And we don't have lords. Like, so I, you know, the people at the Bible times, when this was written, they, they had lords, different kinds of lords. And lords meant different things to them. And so when they decide, when we uh, relate to Jesus, the primary way we're going to talk about it is Jesus is Lord. That meant something to them. It wasn't just like, oh, and somebody gave them a definition of what that was. And so then they could, that was like part of their life, but it's not for us. And so I want us to take a year to think about what does it mean that God is our Lord, that Jesus is Lord, by looking at different aspects of it. And so there's lots of options for that. There's, you know, the voice of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the Lord's day, the Lord's favor, um, Lord of the harvest, Lord of the Sabbath. There's, there's lots of this. So we're going to do that for a few weeks at a time, but where do we start? Where do we get started? So in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowing reality. This is a, Proverbs is a book written for wisdom literature, to understand how to live well, to live skillfully, and the beginning of, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowing that. It says it a lot of times, I'll read one other place that says it, but it, it says it in other parts of the Bible, but here are two real clear, so chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowing how life works, how we're supposed to live, that is the starting place. So for the year of the Lord, we're going to start with the fear of the Lord. This is our first sermon series. We had, I guess it was three weeks ago, so we had Epiphany, and then we had one off. But we're starting a series now, the fear of the Lord. And so that seems to make sense to me when I read this, like, yeah, that's the starting point. The fear of the Lord, that's how I understand what reality is. It's just one issue. What is the fear of the Lord? What does that mean? To have the fear of the Lord. What does that look like? What, how do you get it? How do you grow in it? What, what is the fear of the Lord? It doesn't even necessarily sound like a good thing. I think it's a good thing. One of my favorite writers, Eugene Peterson, who wrote, who translated the Bible in, into the Message Bible, uh, so into everyday language, 
Toward the end of his life, he wrote five books. He, had wrote, he wrote lots of books, and he translated the whole Bible. And, but towards the end of his life, he was kind of summarizing, like, based on all of this, this is, these are my main books that I'm putting forward. And at the, the one that sets the whole tone, he says, when I'm trying to think about what's our part in this life with God, I get a little confused because for sure, for sure, it is mainly about God. It's about who God is and what God does. That's it. But we have a part to play too. It's a small part, but we tend to try to take the main part. And that doesn't work very well. We, we tend to mess things up when we take the main part. So how do we not just become passive, but how do we not become like legalists and we're, we got all the things? How do we do this? How do we do this? And he says that the term that would be most helpful to us, that he finds as a theme through the whole Bible, the guy that translated the whole Bible, is the fear of the Lord. It says the fear of the Lord gets into like, we have a part, but our part is connected to God's part. Let me read a couple quotes from his book when he's talking about that. He says, the fact that the fear of the Lord cannot be precisely defined is one of its glories. We are dealing with something we cannot pin down. We inhabit mystery. We cultivate an attentive and reverent expectation Presumption recedes, attentiveness increases, expectancy heightens. This isn't just like, hey, we're going to go through the passage that gives the definition of fear of the Lord. He's saying, like, it's not like that. It is, there's a mystery to it. There's a, a like, ooh, to it, but also like a wow to it. And one more quote from him. When we let the biblical contexts provide the conditions for understanding the word fear of the Lord, we find that it means something more like a way of life in which human feelings and behavior are fused with God's being in revelation. God is active in the term. The human is active in the term. The fear of the Lord. And he encourages, if we want to live the Christian life, that this is something we embrace. But it's something that we can't just like, oh, it's this, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to do it now. We have to kind of immerse ourselves in what it is. So what we're going to do for the next six weeks is we are going to get into a lot of passages about the fear of the Lord. And some of those passages will literally have the term fear of the Lord in it. It's a lot in the Old Testament, but, the, but it's also to fear the Lord is also in the New Testament. But there's also just stories that have the essence of the fear of the Lord. So we're going to look at them all. And if for those that are in small groups, how we're going to do it is you're going to get passages ahead of time that have to do with the fear of the Lord, and then you pick one or two of them, or, or more if you want, and you come ready to talk about that. Before I get into this, what the small groups look like, just so you know, there's going to be two main passages and a small group People can pick one of those if they want to read one of those two and then one other one. But the two main passages are what I am going to or maybe someone else is going to teach on for um, each week. So, for instance, 9 o'clock service, I did not teach on Hebrews. I didn't, I didn't bring up Hebrews. Hebrews is for this service. At the 9 o'clock service, we talked about Job. The message was built around Job. And I think... We're going to do that through the whole series, where the two are going to be, where we're going to do it two times. Why? Because 
I could try to take, well, here's some of what Job says, and here's some of what Hebrews says, and put it together in a service. And, but really, it, it's not fast forward. We have to sit in a passage. But, there is, but it's also not narrow. There's just so, much, so many aspects to the fear of the Lord that rather than take uh, you know, six passages in six weeks, we're going to do 12 passages in 12 weeks, but we're going to do them one at a time, really slowly. So... If you're interested in that, I think we're going to have both in the, the podcast, or I know the first service at least is, is videoed. For the small groups, though, what you do is you get, there'll be another, there are two main passages, another eight to ten, and we're saying pick one of the main ones and pick at least one of the other ones. You can look at as many as you want. And then you would come to a group, and this is what you would discuss. Not the very first week, but after the first week, this is how it would look, work. Which passages besides the main passage did you spend the most time in? And maybe it was just, it's easy if you only picked one. Well, what was the passage you picked? And then just tell us what it is. It's really, I've, I've been in groups like this before where there's multiple options, and then people come and, oh, you read that, oh, that's interesting, and you read that, oh, that's interesting. It's kind of fun. Pretty non-threatening. You're just picking that, and then you're just picking one verse that you're like, this is, I'm going to bring one verse with me. This is the one that meant the most to me. And then maybe, what do we learn about God from this? Or what do we learn about the fear of the Lord? And then, how are we going to apply it? Like, it's just not all theory. Like, so what does this mean? Is there something from this that I, that I read or that I'm hearing that other people shared that this is how I want to bring this into my life somehow? And then you might get together with a person or two, and you can check in, like, how'd last week go? You know, what are you thinking about for this week? And then, what's one way I can pray for you this week? Yeah, what... And, and that's it. But it's amazing the difference between doing something like that and not doing something like that. It's amazing the difference of being like, oh, yeah, I'll probably try to read the Bible a little bit or do, do something. And, oh, yeah, I've got a group where I'm going to bring something from the Bible, so I actually do read it. And when I do hear from other people or when I do even share myself what happens inside of me compared to just when I'm listening to a podcast or something. It's amazing. And it's amazing how, what kind of connections come out of it. Simple things. It's not, it's not pressured. It's not heavy. But we have so many people who've connected deeply and are still connected from being in groups like this. So, big commercial. But I'm also just explaining because they're starting tonight or Wednesday or Thursday. So, please consider doing it if you haven't considered yet signing up. Now. Let's get back to the fear of the Lord, and let's get back to Hebrews. So first of all, the fear of the Lord, there's lots of aspects to it, as I mentioned, but the aspect I want to, us to think about today is that the fear of the Lord is living as if God is God. The fear of the Lord is living as if God is actually God. And most of us, most of the time, don't do that. We lose sight of it. In... Uh, Psalm 50, it talks about, he's talking to kind of two groups of people. His, his people, they're both, they both consider themselves his people, but he's talking about the, the people who say, you, you, God, are our God. You are actually my God. I'm going to live like you're my God. And the people who he calls wicked who forget God. They forget God all the time. So the fear of the Lord is living as if God is God. Now in Hebrews... If we were looking at the whole book of Hebrews, 
One of the, the themes, the main themes of Hebrews is Jesus is superior. Like God works in ways that are good, but when God works through Jesus, that way is way better. So the very beginning of the book is like, in the old times, he, he spoke through the prophets. That's good. It's good when God speaks through the prophets. It's good when God, God gives us things that, through this. But in these days, he speaks through his son, Jesus. That's even better. And then it talks about, you know, angels do ministry. They, they bring messages. They, they bring uh, support. They bring protection. They bring healing. It's good when, when angels minister. But what's even better, what's superior to that, is when Jesus ministers. He's even better. It talks about Moses. Moses is a man of God, talked with God face to face, brought the people to, the, to establish a covenant like, you will be our God and we will be your people. And Moses was the leader of all that. That was good. But Jesus is the leader of the people now of a new covenant. It is way better, way bigger. Joshua brought people into the land with the promises, a place where they could rest and not be wandering. And, and that was good. But Jesus brings us into a rest that will last forever. It is far better. Aaron, the high priest. He, so Aaron is like the priest. There's lots of other priests. They're the ones that are the mediators, the go-between, God and the people. It's good to have someone who helps draw us near to God. It's good to have someone who intercedes to bring God's blessing to the people. That's all good in priests. But Jesus is the high priest. Jesus is the high priest. That means we don't need a different person to be doing that. I mean, we can do that for each other, but Jesus says, like, he's throwing open the door. We can go to the throne room of God because the way that he's high priest is so much better than all the other priests. The sacrifices that they offered back in the day, they mattered because sin mattered. And it was something that helped people in terms of relating to God and worshiping God. But Jesus' sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice, is way better, way bigger. He, he is, it's so much, it's just done. This is the theme that is found throughout Hebrews. And when we get to the part that I read, Hebrews chapter 12, it's like taking a number of these things and bringing them to a culmination. Like the old covenant compared to the new covenant, Moses compared to Jesus, the blood of Abel compared to the blood of Jesus. It's just, it's bringing a bunch of these elements together kind of in a crescendo of what's been coming this whole time. So I just want to, point out a few things, thinking about the fear of the Lord, thinking about living as if God is God. i got to find it. Here we go. So it talks about two mountains. The one mountain in Exodus is where the Ten Commandments were eventually given. And I mean, the, when the people came, they could only get so close. The mountain shook, voice came down, there was fire, there was lightning, people were scared. They were like, Moses, you talk to us. We don't want to talk to him. We're too scared. And then this points to Moses himself. Verse 21, the sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Now, there are multiple times where Moses was trembling with fear. And one of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Causes, effects? One of the results of having fear of the Lord, or when we have fear of the Lord, one of the things that might happen is that we might tremble. Tremble. 
So Moses, he talked to God face-to-face like a person talks with their friend. Most of us don't do that. And, I mean, he had this conversational relationship with God. And he saw miracles happen, and he lived sometimes with fearlessness. But there are multiple times where we see he trembling. When the burning bush, the first time he comes up, he falls down and bows. This situation that they're talking about. When he comes back down with the golden calf, these are times where he is trembling. These are times where there is fear. And what is interesting to me is that the people in the Bible who we would most associate with, like, they were God's friends. They were God's friends. They all at some point tremble or bow or fall down before the Lord. They have the fear of the Lord. Whether we're talking about Abraham or David or Jacob who becomes Israel or Moses, whether we're talking about Peter and John, who Jesus said, you call me Lord, but you, know, you no longer need to do that. You can call me friends. Still, John saw Jesus later in life at the beginning of Revelation, and he fell down like a dead man with fear. The Apostle Paul, when he encountered Jesus, he fell down, he trembling with fear. So there is a way in which trembling before really knowing who God is, that God is God, if we really encounter him, There is a response, and that response doesn't, it could, I guess, keep us like the people of Israel. Stay away from us. We we need, you know, we just, we don't want to get too close. Or it could be what it did for people and his friends. It's like part of the pathway that actually gets us closer to God, closer to who God actually is. Uh, One of the books that I've read for this I can't remember it's called Rejoice and Tremble or Tremble and Rejoice, but it's a book on the fear of the Lord. And a surprise to me is that the fear of the Lord, as it's um, stated in the Old Testament multiple times, and the connection to joy. People being like super happy. Like this, like... Because the fear of the Lord is not just like, I'm scared. In fact, it's primarily not, I'm scared. It's more like, wow, whoa, ah, oh. So the fear of the Lord is like, wow, we could be in big trouble. We cannot stand against God. But it's also like, wow, look what God's done for us. Look what God does. Look what he wants to do. Look what he's doing. That is the fear of the Lord. Moses, trembling with fear, he really knew God. For us that have just a casual, like, oh yeah, I'll get to God when I need to. That might lead a relationship with God that's kind of thin. And so then when things are hard, God just not... I mean, we'll call to him still, but he just seems way compared to like, I know God as God. God doesn't owe me anything. And yet here he is. And it increases the fear of the Lord. Now the very next verse, after talking about these few verses, I talk about this mountain that, where this happened. The very next verse is, 
But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. There it is, the joy of trembling and rejoicing. They're both there when God is there. Trembling and rejoicing. But this is the heavenly mountain. So at first, it feels like this is the the good mountain, the easy mountain. And then in verse 24, to Jesus, the meteor of a new covenant to the, to, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Again, this is the, this is the good news. Because Abel's blood, Abel was wrongfully murdered and his blood cried out. What did his blood cried out? Justice. We need justice. His blood cries out. The blood, it's, there's other blood of martyrs, blood of... Um, I can't remember. But there's, there's other parts in the Bible where the blood cries out. And it's crying out like justice. And in one way, as we read about Abel's blood, it's like punishment needs to come for Cain, the murderer. And there is this sense of like when something like someone is murdered, it's just the cry of humanity like punishment because we need justice. But the blood that speaks a better word still cries, justice. It's Jesus' blood. It says, justice, but I'll take it on me. So forgiveness is what gets extended instead of punishment. That's the, that's the better word. Because just we all, otherwise, things are crying out against us for justice, but that's justice that leads to punishment. But with Jesus, there's justice that leads to forgiveness because of his blood. All of this feels really good to me. But the very next verse says, See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? Yee! That doesn't sound good. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth... How much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? And is it possible that we have one who's been trying to warn us from heaven and we aren't paying attention? We don't have the fear of the Lord. We'll take the blood. Take the, I'll take his forgiveness. I'll take that when I need it. I'm just going on, though. I'm not living as if God is actually God, as if he's the one actually in charge, as if he's the one that I actually need to follow. The, the book of Hebrews, along with all these, like, the main thing of, like, Jesus is way better, Jesus is way better, this is way better for us, this is, you know, this is so much better than how people followed God before, because Jesus is so much better. There's also, like, six major warnings in it. There's, there's the warning to pay attention. There's the warning to not fall away. There's a warning, uh, I had to write a couple of these down. To not keep on sinning. There's a warning to not miss the grace of God. There's a warning to not follow the Israelites' example of grumbling all the time and not listening to God. And then there's this warning right here of don't refuse to listen to God. Like, there is a warning. So in one sense, because we have Jesus, a heavenly kingdom, not like before Jesus came, it is like so much bigger and grander and, and open to us. And it's not just one mountain that we have to go to or one church building that we have to go to. Like the city of the living God goes with his people where they go. Like this is amazing. And yet at the same time, since he has so made himself known, then 
Make sure you actually have him be your God. Make sure you actually live like he's God. Right? It, it talks about, it's quoting a, a prophet, Haggai, from the Old Testament. Like, once more he's going to shake things. He's going to shake I'll tell you what. The Lord has been shaking things. If you get into the political realm, the governments across the earth, the entertainment industry, the church itself, he is shaking things. Economies, he is shaking things. And what does he say? He's going to shake everything that can be shaken. He's going to shake all created things. If there is anything that we are clinging to more than him, it will get shaken. If we have idols, they will get shaken. They are going to get shaken. They are being shaken, and it's not just in a big macro level. In individual people's lives and in families, there will be shaking. But, verse 28, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. If we live as if God is God, then we will be in the middle of shaking, and it will be disorienting, but we will have an anchor. We will have something solid. We will be able to make it through, and we will know that this, this next few weeks or these next few years or next few decades are not all there is. It's barely a blimp on what he is preparing for us all, and so we live with great hope and strength because God is our God, and we live as if God is our God. That is the fear of the Lord. So, I'm going to have the worship team come up now, and we're going to worship. Now, this room is a little bit empty. It's emptier, certainly, than when we were at one service. It's emptier than the first service. But the reality is this room is not empty, because people who can see into the spirit realm there's multiple reports that are just common to people who see stuff, and it is this. When God's people start worshiping, angels start showing up. Angels are attracted to worship. They want to join in to worship, and I don't know why our worship, our like genuinely worshiping God as if he's God, is so attractive to angels, but I just know it is. And so they show up. And, they, and more of them show up, the more that people are like, yes, God is God. That doesn't matter if that's three people or if that's a packed room full. And vice versa, you can have a room packed full of people. Football games coming. The angels will still worship God, but they don't come in the same way. They want to be with the people of God who know that they're part of a heavenly city, who know that they are worshiping a God of an unshakable kingdom. And so we read, as we move into our time of worship, we read from verse 28 again. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's stand up. And let's get ready to worship God as if he's actually God. I don't know how you get yourself ready for that. The contrast is so huge 
What's in store for people who don't say yes to Jesus and we are going to live for God compared to the people who say, yes, we need your mercy, Jesus. We want you to be God. We want to live for you. The contrast is so incredible. Let's be people who lean into who Jesus is, what he's done for us, what he promises for us. You are God. You are God and we are not. You are God and our phones are not. You are God. You are God. Thank you that you made a way for us to be connected to you as our God. To be in right relationship with you as our God. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.